Ruber, welcome back to the, the room that we created. Ruber, Ruber, today in honor of LeBron James breaking the all-time scoring record held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for 30 some years, uh, we are going to be making Sprite cranberry. Yeah. Live on the air, so Bitch, uh, Maddie, you do you want? Uh, have a sprite. Do you want a sprite cranberry? I do. I want two Sprite cranberry. I had stopped at McDonald's right before filming the podcast, so I have a McDonald's Sprite. You know, I listen to music in the shower a lot of times. Same here. Sometimes. Not so much anymore, but I used to do it every time. And I'll tell you what, when you do that shit during Christmas time, nothing is scarier than being vulnerable and butt-ass naked. And then all of a sudden, because I'm poor, hearing... I'll tell you what makes me thirsty, and it's LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I don't like the... saying that I was poor, I was simply saying that I do not have Spotify. Yeah, you couldn't afford Spotify. No, I could. I just use Apple Music. I'm not poor. I am not. I'm very grateful for my situation. I'm very grateful. Damn, you really aim for it. For my situation. No, um, fucking... Well, the worst part is when you don't have Spotify. I I recently had this um, experience of not having Spotify Premium for about a month um, because um, I'm on a family plan. My mother is the you know, carrier of the family plan, and we were all on it. Jesus and Christ. And she, for no particular reason, not good? It's so good. Oh, okay, good. And Let you have McDonald's Sprite cranberries, so that's mm. just going to fucking kill you. That's yeah. fucking phenomenal, yeah, that's incredible. Jesus, but, um, LeBron. My mom Never on a whim, missed. my mom on a whim checked the Spotify premium plan to see who was on it. Herself, I, my two brothers, and Andrew... From the Hastings Ali story, was on our Spotify premium plan. We haven't spoken to this guy in like th- two years. Kidding me? And my mom looks like he's on our Spotify premium plan, so she canceled the plan immediately. She's like, "Oh my god!" Like, because uh, you know, if you remember back in deep lore of of you know the room that we created, fans Andrew is no longer in our lives. Hasn't been for a long time. Bad, bad dude. Andrew's also not even his real name, but um, uh. She saw he was on the Spotify premium plan, so she had to renew it. And uh, it, for some reason, I, I, my inbox and my email was so full, I couldn't find the invite link to, for the new Spotify premium, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just dealing with free Spotify for just like about a month. And um, I recently entered into a new uh, relationship uh, at the beginning of this year. And, you know, we've been getting jiggy with it, like on a physical, intimate level quite frequently. Because of the honeymoon <laughs> phase, you know? Is yeah. it, I'm just being frank. Can I be frank? Yeah, and I'll be beans. Yeah, frank and beans over here. And so... Rice. Like we're, we're, rice and beans. Rice and beans. <laughs> so I, I, this is the first time in my um, sexual history that I have ever had Spotify premium. Or Spotify free. Free Spotify. Oh, I know where this is going, and I've yeah. been there like a lot. Yeah, dude, this is the, I've never been sexually active without Spotify Premium until until um, earlier this month. And so I, I go shuffle my playlist, and we're we're banging it out, and it goes from Matt Healy fucking, let's get a thing, it's fine. and I'm fucking, you know, I'm, I'm putting down the loose, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm in my <laughs> I'm in my zone, and then it's just like, I'll tell you what makes me thirsty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That was that was a mood killer. We actually stopped what we were doing, and I gave the Bluetooth speaker. I disconnected from the Bluetooth speaker well, for my partner. Here's, to get here's on. I've had that happen because I use Apple Music, but I do spot. But I do my playlists on Spotify. 
Oh, interesting. And so I'll shuffle on Spotify and I'll be like, you know, listening to music beforehand usually and be like, and that'll come up and be like, haha, like funny, like imagine if, and you set it up as if you're going to, because you know it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you set it up like a punchline and then, and then it happens and it's like funny. Yeah, that's a good point. You can laugh. Oh my God. One time the fucking sea bat. You know, the Reddit song the boom, 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 came on while, while I was fucking it. One time did come on. So how did you fuck to it? No, I didn't. I didn't fuck to it. We both nice. laughed it off. Missed and opportunity. It. I know, but like the, the, okay, I had heard the song because of the Reddit thing. You didn't get like up. a few pumps in, like just for the meme? No, because the intro is so long before like a, a steady beat comes in. You know, it's that, like, the whole, the synth. So, okay, I guess I did. So, I was, I think, getting blown with it. <laughs> first. <laughs> when I first heard the strings intro. Jesus. And then, well, I'm Franken Beans over here. And then you hear the, and then you know. And so, you just look eyes, lock eyes at your partner, and you're like, that's funny. And then I think they actually said, like, did you do that on purpose? I was like, no, I just, I, I heard this song because the Reddit thing, and I did add it to my fucking pop playlist because I thought it was kind of fire. But we just skipped it. Damn. Well, on that note, uh, today we are talking about our favorite <laughs> albums and musicians of all time. We are sharing our top ten list. And I fully expect Seabat to be on there. Oh, yeah. Now that we've had it's that beautiful intro mention. story about... Um, uncomfortable scenarios during brief periods where we did not have spotify premium yeah that was a weirdly um fluid segue yeah pretty gender fluid actually yeah they'd be drinking my gender fluids you know what i'm saying um i'm a druid i am looking at my phone because i'm pulling up my top 10 list now me and zach were both um agonizing over the creation of this list um because picking 10 albums so I picked ten artists and my favorite album from each of those artists. That's that was a smart way to do How'd it. How'd you do it? I just I wrote a list of twenty albums, rapid fire of like. Oh, you didn't do artists, you did albums. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I did my. I thought we were doing artists. I did my top ten artists, and then there's top ten albums. Oh well, the the prompt, if I remember correctly, was your top ten albums of all time that shaped you, and so we did top five films oh, in the film bros, like films that shaped us. We did our top five. Okay, well I'm sure but there's albums the same. Damn, because there might be albums in my top ten that, that are artists you that don't. are not by artists in my top. Because my top three artists, I don't think his want any of his albums would necessarily be in my top ten albums. That's insane. Well, shite. Well, if you revise it, revit, you know, bring it up on the podcast if opinions yeah. change. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we're going to discover new music while we make while we're making so this podcast. So I'll give my top 10 our artists and my favorite album from each of those artists and Maddie's going to give her top 10 albums. Yeah, and not necessarily in order of the artists. Yeah. In that way. Okay. Um so before we get into each of our 10 top 10 spot I want to give three honorable mentions because the way I so you asked me how I came up with it, yeah. I sat down and was like, "What are albums that fucking shaped me?" The same way I thought of films that shaped me, and I wrote down the whole list twenty albums. I was like, "Damn!" And then I pain fucking stakingly narrowed it down to the ten. You know, I selected like the first fifteen that really caught my eye, and then I was like, "Okay, well these are just you know important to me, but they're not 
I, I wouldn't bank on them as flawless records or masterpieces by any stretch. They're just personal to me. And then I have other ones that are like, these are not flawless masterpieces, but they're so personal to me that they have to be on the list. And then I finally got it down to 10. But that was not fucking easy. And we were just talking about it off air before the podcast of how around four o'clock today. Well, now you got me fucking spinning because I'm like, Grace is one of my top 10 albums, but Jeff Buckley's not on my top 10 artists list because his discography doesn't match the discography of some of my other artists. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we're just doing two sides of the same coin today. You're you're Frank and I'm Beans. Yeah. So uh, I'm Bill. My three honorable mentions that albums that are so fucking good and important to me, but didn't quite make the ten list. But I would be remiss to not at least mention them. "Bank on a Funeral" by Matt Mason. Um, I think Matt Mason's one of the best fucking songwriters of all time. I think he's so good at writing songs. You know, his production is interesting enough. It's pretty. You know, it's very just like ear candy. It's very good to listen to. His production is clean as fuck, but it's also got that Hozier-esque folksy shit about it. But really, what I love about him is fucking songwriting capability. He just, he writes such perfect, pretty packaged songs that are just like, ugh. Like Johnny Cash level um, songwriting, construction, talent, in my opinion. So Bank on a Funeral by Matt Mason. Do you have an honorable honorable mentions? You say your three honorable mentions, I'll say my three. Okay, cool. The second one was It's All Crazy, It's All False, It's All a Dream, It's All Right by Me Without You. This is an emo record, sort of, I guess you can call it a Midwest emo record, but it goes a lot into, um, it, it borders on folksy kind of, um, I guess, Front Bottoms-esque instrumentation, uh, but... Songwriting wise, it's not not at all similar to its contemporaries in the Midwest emo scene. Like, um, it's mostly post hardcore, I guess you would call it, but but very pretty, folksy, and it, a lot of religious themes, a lot of philosophical themes. Um, the lead singer of Me Without You is um, Muslim, and the album is just barely not a religious album, you know. You listen to it, and it just it feels like worship. That album is so fucking good, and it's so contemplative and so bright and life-affirming while still maintaining a level of serious honesty about the human condition. Love that album. And the third is Watershed by Opeth. One of the best fucking progressive metal albums I've ever heard. Um, one of the darkest albums I've ever heard. One of the most... Um, what are we looking at? Oh yeah, please eat, eat some. Um, Fuck yeah! <clears throat> it's one of the, oh, it's empty. No <laughs> McDonald's fries left. It's one of the progressive metal albums. The reason I love it is because it maintains so much darkness and so much um, looseness and so much such raw organic energy. And prog metal typically doesn't do that. Prog metal is usually very polished, you know. Mm. Um, That's true. This album is fucking not. And there's like medieval fucking instrumentation on it. There's 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 like there's beautiful horns and and organs and oh one of the best organ solos of all time is on the song Burden. Is there a lute? Um there's something like a lute in it. There's a lot of strings. Like stringed guitar shit. There's a lot of beautiful guitar shit. Um amazing soft vocals, absolutely blood curdling growls by Michael Ackerfeld. Um, the album is a movie. The album feels like a film. It's so good. Those are my three honorable mentions. Not in my top ten. 
my three honorable mentions, not on my top ten for artists, are Gorillas. Nice. Yeah. Gorillas are fantastic. Yeah, uh, Gorillas. Um, fuck, man, Plastic Beach mm. is so sex. So I think deep. Demon Demon Days is one of the best albums. Of Demon all time. Days is fucking insane. Um, but I actually like. I what the fuck, dude? I literally am blanking on the fucking name of the first album. I can only oh, remember. Oh, it's a self-titled. Two, yeah, is it okay? Because yeah. I can only remember. I always think of it as being titled nineteen two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like the song or three thousand. Which is weird, but that album is, or Plastic Beach is my favorite work from them. You know, the album covers are actually different on Apple Music and Spotify for Plastic Beach. Really? On Apple Music, it's like got a blue Oh, hue. and then one of them's orange. And orange is on Spotify. Nice. Okay, um, another honorable mention for artists is Oasis. Oh, nice. I nice. fucking love Oasis so much. Some of their stuff is kind of cheesy, but definitely Maybe, I think, is one of the most amazing albums. Like that that record makes me feel just like alive and like confident and powerful and like beautiful and I relate to it so much and I love that album. Uh What's the Story Morning Glory is also good. Just they have it's it's difficult to find skippable songs with Oasis. They're they're very culture defining but somehow still underrated. Like I don't find musicians talking about them very much. Yeah, but they're like one of the most like the people rivaled them with the popularity of the Beatles. Mm. You know, and um, and another honorable mention. I think you're gonna be surprised. This is on the honorable list, but Pink Floyd is on oh, my honorable okay. mentions list. Okay. Because I had a debate. Um, I'll, I'll give a brief spoiler. I had a debate between Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. Oh, in man. my head, and I realized that the thing I liked about Pink Floyd was David Gilmour, and the thing I liked about Zeppelin was their chemistry as a band. Like Zeppelin had Page, Plant, Bonham, and Paul Jones, and like they all wrote better songs, in my opinion, than Floyd, and they all wrote stuff that I like. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, that's fucking beautiful and nasty, and mm-hmm. like it just hits me on a different Real. level. And Pink Floyd stuff all works in the same way. It's just I I realized I liked Led Zeppelin as a band more than I liked Floyd as a band. I think is it because like Pink Floyd's more like ethereal? No no no. I was I love both of those sounds. It's like purely like the bass parts and the, like it's just something about like Zeppelin songs the way they're constructed. Like the bass part is like so intricate but also so working for the song. Same with all the guitars and also they switch it up. Like it's not always just like hard like Heartbreaker stuff or Lemon song. It's like they'll do like going to California hmm. or like, babe, I'm going to leave you like beautiful song stuff with beautiful acoustic stuff and blues and plants just a better singer than waters like by far. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And so there's that, too. And like David Gilmore, I think I like as a guitar player better than I like Jimmy Page. But like Led Zeppelin as a band, I liked better than Floyd. And like it was just between those two for me. That's a that's. I like their songs better. Like their that songwriting. That is fucking. That makes a ton of sense. I I'm if you had if I had to pick one of them, I'd I'd be on the Pink Floyd side, just because of how fucking <clears throat> vibes, just vibes. Yeah. Are more personal to my aesthetic and taste. You know, is Pink Floyd. They're pretty goddamn equal for me. But They're when you want to talk about close. vibes, like fucking. Led Zeppelin is vibes, That's but it's a, yeah. such a different vibe. Yeah, you know, and I think I think Pink Floyd is just closer to what my inner world looks like. 
And what's funny is that Dark Side of the Moon and Pink Floyd's Inner World is like maybe the closest part of my soul. But like all of Led Zeppelin's is like also right there. And it just it's like, yeah, just gets me gets me gets me off. You know, it gets dude, we're going to get off by the end of this list. Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd, I'd be listening to at a fucking good volume. And I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm loving this. Led Zeppelin had come on. I'd always turn it up just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, those are my three honorable mentions. I just, yeah, their songwriting ability, I thought I enjoyed more. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, there's a couple of one or two Pink Floyd songs I would name to combat that point. Maybe um, Wish You Were Here and. Uh, and I, Goodbye I think, Blue Sky, I, think I would wish say. Wish You Were Here is overrated, but I will give, like, Goodbye Blue Sky is, like, amazing. Like, Pink Floyd are great songwriters. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, well, that was my point, is that, like, I can only think of two Pink Floyd songs that I would use as argument against Led Zeppelin's songwriter proficiency. Yeah. Because as far as, yeah, constructing a song, but you I know, could give Bare you a Bones, lot of Led Zeppelin. songs to combat that, I feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, shit. What's your 10? Let's get on 10s. All right. Uh, we, we're going to start at 10. Uh, number 10, I think you're also going to be surprised this is this low for me because mm-hmm. you know how much I love this artist. But Sting. Oh, okay. Sting is my 10. Um, Sting is like the best songwriter um, to have ever fucking lived. Like He's like this beautiful genius, like spiritual conscious warrior yeah yeah. (laughs) he's like you know he's like you've you're out lost in the desert on peyote and there's sting like on a fucking horse like leading a group of indians like oh my god and like he's his songwriting ability is never dwindled and it's always been off the charts his his concept of melody and chords and sticking them together has always been innovative Mm -hmm. and creative but it's it's always been a, he always services the song and he's I think maybe the best storyteller in music. Oh, he's a phenomenal. My fucking favorite lyricist. album of his is this is kind of controversial, but the last ship. It's a it's an album he did all about like it's like pirate shipyard ballads, and there's this song called the Ballad of the Great Eastern. Yeah, that is fucking unbelievable. Like every song on that album is like this epic like like story. Like that, that seems like it's being told. Like, but you know, those fucking stories that pirates would sit around and fucking yeah. tell to each other. Like they're that level, but it's they're folkloric. like beautiful lyrics and metaphors. There's one about this boxer falling in love with a dancer and learning how to dance and being at like boxing. Like the important thing is never to look at your feet and like to stay nimble. And he's like dancing with this girl and he's using this metaphor of like I hit her with like a jab and like kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and it, it's just. He's fucking unbelievable, and the last he's ship like, is my he's favorite like album. He's like good Morrissey. I don't know. I've not heard Morrissey. You're better off. Okay. Because of who he is as a person, but um, like, and and you know, he's not, I don't I don't love Morrissey, but anyway, no, um, just that l- level of iconic charm. He doesn't get enough credit. You know, uh, Sting does. Yeah, Rarely and, do and I hear musically, people talk about Sting. He's like brilliant. Like his fucking chord structures, like like. That shit is complex and simple. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. And he's got roots in everything. R&B, soul, jazz. Like, he can play the fuck out of some jazz charts, too, if you gave them to him. Oh, my God, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why they call him Sting. 
Sting, dog. And he wrote Float Like a Butterfly, Sting man, like a Sting. He, he has songwriting credits on um, Money for Nothing. We'll think I got it. Can I tell a quick story? Here? Yeah, this yeah. might be a little. Uh, we'll try to keep it short, but this it, it's like basically I was told this story um, that Jack or not Jack Sonny, uh, Mark Knopfler was at a restaurant um, with like a new song idea. And Sting was also in the restaurant. And they walk in. They're like, hey, Sting. Hey, Mark. And they start talking. And Mark's like, oh, I got this idea for a fucking new tune. Like, it, check it out. Like, and he shows it to him. And it's money for nothing. And Sting is like, you little shit. Like, you, that's my song. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want my, I want my MTV. And he's like, don't stand so close to me. And that's the song from the police. Don't stand yeah. so close to me. And he's like, fuck. And he's like, you know what? Like, just give me a writing credit. They went from the restaurant to the studio, did it in a few takes. Sting sang the intro, and the rest is fucking history. That's that so cool. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a cool story, dude. Yeah, thanks, man. Jesus. All right, what's your 10? Um, my 10. Okay, this is this might be a bit strange, but my 10 is Watering the Weeds, which was an album that, that was written by my brother. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Was Fuck. Ri- yeah, yeah, written and released by Paul Yamato. I keep thinking bands. I'm like, I don't know watering the weeds. Yeah, right. But um, the reason this is on the list is because there was an album in my top 20 um, called DC Snuff by Teen Suicide. Teen Suicide, I fucking love what they do um, sonically. Like, I think it's one of the most creative projects in, in that scene, emo, ever. Because it's just such a imaginative dream, but this album was on my twenty, and I was just like, "Ah, well, Polly, my brother, he released an album. It's on Spotify, you know, called Watering the Weeds." And I kept thinking, "Well, Polly's album is better than than that, though, you know, just because like it's more personal and it has that same quality of, of super garage quality um, emo shit mixed with electronica, you know, so like super fucking analog synthesizers." Very, very um, rudimentary electronic percussion. And the rest is emo instrumentation, post-rock, garage-quality, post-hardcore shit. You know? Shoegaze. Yeah. Um, And I thought, well, shit, man. Watering the Weeds is an album I constantly fucking return to. I constantly. Because it's such a specific and interesting flavor. And so this spot on my list is a shout-out to Teen Suicide, really. But... I feel like my brother made an album, Polly Motto, the artist, uh, made an album, Wandering the Weeds, that nails that um, blend of electronic, um, atmospheric shit, analog electronics, um, with post-hardcore and emo that, that is best exemplified on this album, Wandering the Weeds. I listen to it constantly. Because it's it's when a sibling of yours makes a record, it's like... It's we have the same taste, you know. We're from the same fucking womb. We have the same blood, and so it's your. It's like everything you love about music and everything you would want to say in an album. It's like listening to an album that you wrote for yourself, exactly what you like, but without the cringe of having to listen to yourself. That's what that album is like to me, you know. Well, so because I I make music that I enjoy, of course. But I rarely will bump my own music because even though it's music that I made for me because I like this, I make what I want to hear, it's hard for me to listen to myself. Really? 
Sometimes. Dude, I bump my shit. <laughs> That's cool. That is good. That's the goal. But like, I get insecure every once in a while about it. I just don't want to, you know? Yeah. But like, it's just that there's no meta-ness about it like imagine having music that's that constructed for you that you wrote it but without the meta thing of looking listening to yourself yeah where you're like even like it's you get to a point i think it where you do learn how to not analyze it i you know so i'm told <laughs> yeah or at least like erasing um even if you're not there. like uh, with aside from like the insecurity factor of like i don't want to listen to myself it's it, the songs sound different to me because I made them. There's all this context behind them because I know what was going on when they were written. I know what it was like to record that. I know each compartmentalized element of the song, you know, where there's an element of mystery when you hear something. You're like, how the fuck did they do that? You can't say that about your own music because you I, know how you did it. I feel like I can because, like, genuinely, I don't know how I do it. Like, I, it just I, comes out. Yeah, it just happens, and then the next day I wake up, and it's like, I can't imagine having to... Like, like let's say I write a string part. The next day I wake up, and the string part, I spent all day yesterday on it, and it's written. I wake up, and going forward, I can't imagine having to write that string part again. Like, it's a really good string part that I'm happy with when I hear it, and I'm like, like I didn't write that. That makes sense. And I'm like, I can't imagine doing that again. Mm-hmm. It's it's like... And so it just kind of falls out for, with, for me, like mm-hmm. like channels or something, and I don't exactly know all the time what's going on some some things i know exactly how i got there yeah 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 well you never as an artist you never know exactly what you're doing but i'm just saying like i get what you're saying yeah when you listen to an album divorced from yourself there's a different element oh yeah like you know wonder and i get to hear that with my brother's album that's really special even though it's so personalized to me that's really special. and um standouts of that album are playing it cool and paulo verde those are my favorite tracks on the record but Number nine. Number nine. Number nine, Lodge. Uh, uh, Deftones. Nice. Nice. I'm relatively new to Deftones. Only been listening to Deftones for like, I want to say like four months. Uh, but what everything that I've heard, I fucking love. They made like my like you know they made my top ten like artists list for like Apple Music Wrapped like really easily like and with little time you know and my two favorite albums are saturday night wrist nice or around the fur but saturday night wrist to me like is so fucking just like it's just fucking beautiful no yeah. it's fucking beautiful start to finish it is cherry so waves good. alone wins it over really around the you fur think for me. Dude, I that's not even like ha- close to my fucking favorite song on that. What is my favorite song on that? It's either the cover of um Drive oh by the God. Cars um or I know I know it's at the start of the album. What is it? Hole in the Earth. That one's so good. Mm. And then so is um I think it's Kim Dracula or Rats 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 one of those. But those those get me fired up. And then around the fur, like, Be Quiet and Drive Far Away, that one just hits so hard. And yeah. Head Up at the end of that album. Yeah. Head Up. That that song, like, made me love Deftones. That's I fucking just, awesome. I love the shoegazy stuff. I can't wait to get into them more. Um, Ohms is, from what I've heard of it, I'm like, I haven't listened to the whole thing. I've listened to, like, half of it, but it's beautiful. Gore is really good. Have you listened to Gore? Parts. That's a fucking awesome record. Yeah. I'm still working through their discography. Nice, but nice. But they're on the list. 
Yeah, no, I I was the same way with like my Spotify rap when I first got into Deftones. It was like all Deftones for a year because it's like there's so much to listen to and it's so it's just so fucking. I haven't even heard like White Pony yet. I've oh, White s- Pony's fucking crazy. I've just been so into these other albums by then. White Pony, I think, is the most impressive. Really? It's not my okay. favorite album, but it's the most like technically impressive. Okay, cool. Because there's shit on there that's like. Uh, ow! Like it's like, <laughs> like singing. There's shit that you hear that's like that is fucking unbelievable. There's production techniques. There's drumming on, on White Pony. That's fucking absurd. Maynard's on White Pony. Really? Yeah, he's on a song called Passenger. My knight in shining armor on a white horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maynard comes riding in on a white pony. Maynard. That sounds in. like a setup to the to a joke. So Maynard walks into a bar. Walks, a it was a man who walks into his own wine bar riding a white pony. And he says, my car's broken. Do you guys have a toolbox? <laughs> oh. All right. My number nine, a large with Dr. Pepper, is um, Paramore's self-titled album. Paramore's? Yeah. Okay. Now, right on. if you're going to throw Paramore on your top ten list, I, I, I think a lot of Paramore fans would not think that the self-titled would be the one. You know, But the self-titled Paramore album... The reason that it's so fucking that it had to be in my top. First of all, I had to put it on my top ten because it's an album I listen to so fucking frequently that I'm like, I cannot lie to myself and say this isn't one of my favorite albums of all time. And the thing about the Paramore subtitled is that songs like "Ain't It Fun," "Grow Up," you know, and uh, what's the other single? The one that got oh, "Still Into You," you know, shit like that. Um, those songs you hear you heard them on the radio and you're like oh they're you know they're they're fun songs but if you actually sit down and listen to them you're like oh these are still very like seen yeah they're still very they still have that spirit like it's the same they're interesting like the production on those songs are fucking interesting and that's why they they're still like hold up today oh yeah and they they were one of the bands that um evolved from the pop punk emo yeah. scene into a more textured um you could yeah. call it pop yeah. a but, lot of radio pop from that era fizzled out yeah they yeah didn't no they didn't and fucking and and they were one of the bands that transitioned from emo and pop punk to the more electronic more textured um pop you know, still punky elements that, that actually invented something and did something interesting and maintained that songwriting, you know, like panic at the disco, they made the transition and they were a different fucking band. They were a different band and some of it was good. Some of it was fucking horrible. Bad. You know, Viva Las Vengeance, the last album they made was one of the worst things that's ever happened. Um, (laughs) But anyway, the Paramore (laughs) self-titled is, uh, The Paramore subtitled, aside from every song being so well written, so goddamn catchy, like that, that's enough. But there are two songs on it that make me um, like that takes it over the edge. Is like this is a, a masterful record. This is a create. This is like a, you know, important to me are the two songs that bring it to that level are Daydreaming and Future. Daydreaming is so tender, you know, and it comes at such a great spot in the record it's a great break and it's just as tender as anything off of brand new eyes it seems so personal and then future is really down tempo really contemplative really like really emo in its message and in its uh resolve it's a great end of the record and then it ends with this brutal shoegazy hardcore breakdown at the end 
that's just this halftime drums cascading fucking, you know, guitars and synth. It's that makes you go, wow, yeah, they have not lost it. They've gotten catchier. They've gotten um, in some aspects more radio friendly, but in other aspects more creative than they've ever been. So the Paramore self-titled, number nine. Heck yeah. We love Haley Williams. She's so good. Jesus. Number eight, uh, Bon Iver. Nice. Bon Iver, um makes me feel potentially... I, I, I tried to rank my artists based on, like, just whenever I listen to them, w- can I associate it with a specific feeling that feels close to me? Mm. And I just, Bon Iver nails it every fucking time. What album did you have? 22 A Million. Nice! Yes! Uh, it's... Bon Iver embodies the creative spirit to me that speaks to me. The creative aspect that I like the sh- not only the striving to be creative, but like the creativity I have, like like Bon Iver's has both of those and it speaks to me and mm. it inspires me. And it also I can just enjoy it. It's so just beautiful and creative everything that he has made so far and I think 22 a million is those elements embodied in an album the best yeah over it's the height of his originality exactly and his creativity and there's so many memories like that i have to bon iver um like sitting in a like a car while it just rains like i remember one time it flooded here so bad the streets were filling up and i just had to sit in a parking lot and i just had i had the boom box because my stereo was out it wasn't working like my amplifier died Mm -hmm. and i was just listening to 22 a million like every time it rains, it's, it's a the perfect. Album. It's perfect rain weather. It's just like such contemplative music. It's so comforting and it's so fucking pretty. Yeah, favorite track: Stratford A A P T S. Nice, nice. Mine, mine off that one would be Thirty Three God. The okay. one that that I. That's just my it. favorite Bon Iver song ever. As yeah, well. that makes sense. No, that's. A, oh, I'm so glad you said Twenty Two Million. That's such a good album. It's so underappreciated. But yeah, Bon Iver, and if. You, Man, I can I want to see him live so so bad. I want to see him do a uh, creek. Oh, I want to see him do fucking Heavenly Father. Have you seen him do Heavenly Father? Like no, I want to see him do Woods by himself. Oh, dude, that would be sick. Yeah, just with a harmonizer and all the fucking layering and shit. Yeah, no, he's he's a production fucking genius. And and it's it's crazy to be that goddamn good at production and songwriting. You know, like his story's crazy. Have you ever heard it? No. We should talk about it later. Okay, cool. Okay, what's your eight? My eight would be Devil and God by Brand New. The full title of the album is The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me. Um, this is an album that had gotten me through so much uh, with the Jehovah's Witnessship. It's uh, basically like a faith deconstruction album. Okay. You know, and, and it's an emo record. Brand New, this is when they. <clears throat> This is the album that really, like, landed them as, oh, this is an important band. This is a band that's going to influence emo, you know, mm-hmm. because their first two albums, Your Favorite Weapon and Dejan Tantu, were great. Um, De- Your Favorite Weapon is pop punk. It's a garage quality almost, and it's, you know, it's lo-fi and it's janky, but it is still pop punk. It's not really emo. Dejan Tantu is very emo, you know? Devil and God is where they started to become like 
emo but comparable to deftones comparable to the smashing pumpkins like that kind of like mm. melt your face pure expression kind of emo and i think the lyrics on the album are fucking fantastic i think the world building on the album is fantastic just the vibes the whole album feels like being a gay kid raised in a conservative christian household wandering your fucking white suburbs during halloween like wondering who you are i love that that's what the album feels like and it's it's such a fall album and it's it has such a great ending too like smashing sorry continue with that talk about the ending no it just it it wraps up perfectly is all i was gonna say like it has it it's so the album is so soul crushing and so fucked up but the ending song is so goddamn triumphant um and it's the archer's bows have broken that's probably my favorite on the record but yeah that album got me through too much not to put it on this list and it is number eight fuck yeah yeah you said like smashing pumpkins and and, you know mcr like took you know such big influence from smashing pumpkins you know oh like aesthetically especially gerard specifically yeah dude oh my god yeah you can see it and like i don't know i feel like i love gerard way no he's a genius he's fucking great I just love him. What is your number? Sheeban. Number seven. Todd Rundgren. Okay. I was not expecting him. Todd Rundgren. Yeah. Um, I think Todd Rundgren is a genius. I think he's a genius and no one knows knows it. No one knows who the fuck he is anymore. You know, people knew who he was back in the 70s when he was popular and no one knows him. Well, you yeah. talk about him every once in a while, but I was not expecting him to be on this fucking list. Todd Rundgren is just a genius. I think uh, when I was the reason he's on the list is because I was ranking these albums or these artists based on what I said earlier, like those feelings. Like when I get Bon Iver, I get a feeling that touches my soul and who I am. And, you know, some artists you'd think that would be on my list like Green Day mm-hmm. are not. Because mm-hmm. when I listen to Todd Rundgren, I get that feeling. That makes sense. And Green Day, I just feel pumped up. Mm-hmm. And they just well, American me. Idiot. American Idiot was almost on my top ten. Just sidebar. I, yeah, I, almost. Green Day is like my one of my biggest influences ever. I'm just saying, like with the touching and the feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's an album? What's your album for this homie? Um, I have an ex. I have a story about it. It's called Runt. Just after the passing of our friend, um, who took. His life by way of suicide by hanging him, himself. Uh, I was going through old vinyl records with my dad that were his from the 60s and 70s, three boxes full. Um, and this was two days after I had heard the news of his passing, I think three days after he had passed, three, maybe four almost. And um, I'm going through this box of vinyls and I see an album cover, which is a man sitting at a piano with a noose around his neck. Jesus Christ. And it strikes me to my core. A chill runs my whole body. And I'm like, well, I have to listen to this. Yeah. And it is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. It is a masterpiece. It is genius. He is a studio wizard, a songwriting, just it's genius. He's just a genius. It's fucking good. It's so good. It's called Runt by Todd Rundgren. And I think maybe favorite track on that is the Range, not the Range War. What comes after the Range War? Um, 
I don't know. It's either that or Wailing Wall. Wailing Wall is really good. There's the, the track after the Range War. I'll find it real quick here. But yeah, Todd Rundgren, man. No one knows about Todd Rundgren. Yeah, uh, maybe no. people, a lot of people do, and I just don't know about it, and I need to find those people. Yeah, hope I'm around. Or yeah, hope I'm around. Nice. That one. That there's a change at the end. That's like, whoa. Where are we? It's like I love that shit. That's why Jeff Buckley does that to me. Like that kind of shocking, like you know, movements yeah, in a song. Imagine if it was Jackson Brown doing it. Okay, that's Todd Rundgren. Damn, that's a really cool description. Or Carol King. Nice. Imagine if it was one of those two doing it. Okay, I'm gonna have to listen to Runt. Runt by Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean to say Dolph Lundgren. Like, <laughs> yeah, listen to Russian by Dolph Lundgren. Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> funny. All right, my number seven is an album called "Distraction Sickness" by a band called Dark Rooms. To my knowledge, there are only two people in Dark Rooms. Um, they're kind of enigmatic. They're hard to find any information about. But it was an album I discovered while I was in the airport on my way to New York, and. I I was so there's a movie called A Ghost Story by um, oh. yeah David Lowry. How do you find a band in the airport? Well, I, th- this is how I, okay. I, there's a band, there's a movie called A Ghost Story. Fucking phenomenal fucking yeah. movie. You know you know the movie. Yeah. Um, almost made it on my top five. It's in my top ten movies for sure. But anyway, um, fucking what is this number seven? Yeah. So A Ghost Story. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, there's a death very early, very early in the movie. It's not a spoiler, but the husband in the movie dies and becomes a ghost. And the movie is about his wife dealing with his ghost. And it's a very, there's a song in the film that you can see the guy making. He's a musician in the film. And uh, that song, you get to hear it in its completion later when the wife, the, mo- the widowed wife is listening to her husband's song. And um, I found that song and added it to my playlist because it's such a fucking good song. It's a dream pop masterpiece. Like, this song is so fucking good. It's um, super glitzy, high glam, beautiful production. There's a string section. There's horns. But it's like this it – ha- it has so much grandeur to how it's written, but it still feels like you're alone in your bedroom when you listen yeah. to it. Um, dream pop at its absolute – finest and most sad and um i was in the airport on my way to new york and i had been listening to that song for about a year every once in a while and um i was like yeah fuck it i gotta check out this actual band that made the song for the movie and i went on the the band's page they're called dark rooms and i listened to the album that that song is from it's called distraction sickness and every other song in the album was as good as that song like you know the song i'm talking about right like from a ghost story no. We'll, we'll, we'll listen see, to it. I haven't it. Seen, like, seen that movie in years. Yeah, it's we'll so good, but we'll listen to it soon. But the song is called I Get Overwhelmed. So that song comes on a point in the record that's so fucking devastating. It's all, it's so beautiful. And the production of this album is just like, it's just glitter. It's, it's so it's, interesting to see your perspective on albums because the way you talk about them, you'd think they were films. Yeah, that's kind of how I you view them like digest films. them. Yeah, I, yeah, that's mm. just funny. That's fucking funny. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like feel them like a movie when I'm listening to them. But like, yeah. um, aside from a couple other emotional high points and low points on the album, the album for the most part is a super zen, just chill out, fucking banger album. 
like one banger after the goddamn next. It's so glittery. It's the pinnacle of like yeah. decadent. It feels like you're walking around your fucking mansion in a leopard print speedo under neon lights. Just fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're you the are. It album. feels like you are larping like Jeff Goldblum. Yes, it it's so goddamn good. But then there's some moments of such <laughs> fucking sincere heart yeah. and existentialism on it. So somehow, at the same time, they balance those two vibes. And definitely listen to this album in your bedroom under some form of, of light. Like, listen to it with a nightlight yeah. on or, or on your phone screen even. Just you need blue light around you when you listen to it. And I was in an airport when I first listened to it. So just these the vibes, man. That's all I can say. Number just, seven. Yeah. Well, I'll have to listen to Distractable then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... Speaking of Jeff Goldblum, real quick, if you've ever heard a Michael Blue Blay song... Just, just imagine it's Jeff Goldblum singing. It's like, it's like with the Killers and Mr. Brightside and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. It's like Buble and Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, that's I promise, terrible. I promise. That's terrible. We gotta like speed run the next ones because we're, we're, what, what? Oh, sick. We okay, good. That's good. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, what are we six? Number six, Cage the Elephant. Nice. Cage the Elephant is like my one of my all time favorite. Like, I think it's like one of my top two sounds like of a band like i'm in love with them like they speak to like my personality in a niche way like a lot of bands speak to part of my personality like they get a lot Mm -hmm. like they get a lot of it you know what did i say my taste in music was like it smells like citrus in the last episode like well unpeeled (laughs) oh man let me tell you this album another one of the albums that i is unpeeled the album Oh, yeah. Nice. I just listen nonstop every day, 24 hours a day on repeat in high school when I was like, I have music, you know, when I'm in high when I was in high school, I just had earbuds in all the fucking time because I'm a musician. And I didn't give a shit about class. Right. So I'm in class and listening to music thinking whatever I listen to is going to soak in. And then when I go and play guitar, it's going to come out because it's going to be like so stuck in my head. Right. You know, I'm going to hear it. And like I did that with Hendrix a lot, mainly, mainly Hendrix. Mm-hmm. But um, this album was just always on fucking repeat. He's like... One of my favorite singers of all time, top three. Yeah, he's Max, such a fucking Mitchell, good singer. I think he's dude. I, think, I saw him live. I've I've been modeling myself after him these last like the last month, and it is just like taking my singing to the level that it needed to be. Dude, his stamina live too. My, the un- thing I'm unreal. most self conscious about is an, as an artist is my vocal, and like I've learned a lot through listening to Tom York, and then the next one I just I just dove into Matt Schultz last month, and it was like. Now I have confidence. Like I feel like I, that used to be so tough for me to sing, and now I feel like I could sing in Cage the Elephant mm, set because awesome. I've just been trying to practice it over and over. But like that's one of my favorite sounds as a fucking band. They're creative. They've got that it factor. They've got this like almost like I feel like Harry Styles is constantly trying to do what Jagger and like Cage the Elephant did and combine it, and it's just like it ends up being like too commercialized. Yeah, too much. Because that's missing the point. It's like, but I a lot of Harry Styles music that I've heard, I'm like, this is Cage the Elephant. Interesting. And like people need to listen to Cage the Elephant if they like Harry Styles. Mm. You know, but Cage the Elephant is a phenomenal fucking band. Their singer just got arrested. Really? For owning a firearm. Huh. Where does he live? England. So and you know, oh. the firearms over there. So like, oh man. Damn. Well, yeah. shit. Well, hey, I think um, Matt Matt Schultz. 
I got. I'm pr- you know, I'm they're they're, they're brilliant performers, and their instrumentation is so interesting. They they uh, another band that doesn't get recognized I'm enough. Right. That's in the same kind of vein. I think a lot of what you said can also apply to Modest Mouse. I think they're very underappreciated. Absolutely. Same same type of vibe in in a way. They're both very unique um, in a lot of what they tend to say musically. But um, KG Elephant and Modest Mouse both have this jilted, hyper-expressionist rock star vibe to them. Yeah. You know? That that I I fucking love, and they're both such amazing at performing. Like I've never seen Modest Mouse live, but I've seen Cage the Elephant. And just you like, have? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Live? Yes, yeah. Fuck. I saw Spoon open for them in, in in Phoenix. Fuck, I didn't fucking know that. Oh yeah, no, that's what I was saying. His, I didn't know his stamina is unbelievable. Like live, like he just is fucking running. I thought the you meant you like around. you saw like live videos. Oh no no, I was there. It was it was Spoon, Cage the Elephant, and Fuck. Beck. Oh, I want to see. I I need to see KG Elephant so fucking bad. And plus, Unpeeled is an unplugged album, and it's one of the best unplugged albums. Because yeah, that's like literally for me on top of Nirvana. Nirvana's fucking unplugged. The way album. they've made like they made the songs different and unique with all the parts. The is, shake me, shake me down on unplugged is fucking amazing or Unpeeled. Yep, yep. So shake good. me down specifically, and uh, how are you true? Mm. All right, number damn, six, that's a good pick. Number six, uh, Citizens Youth, the album Youth by Citizen. Okay. This one um, was also a very, very um, important album for the same type of emo that Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me is. It was one of those albums that I saw had I had seen the album cover for everywhere, like on the Reddit MU page, you know, people like in the emo posting page on Facebook, like seen it everywhere. It just says youth made in flowers. And like the best way I can describe this album is like, look at the album cover. It sounds like that. Just angrier. Um, The thing I love so much about Citizen, that this album, you know, it's a breakup album. But there's so much heart and so much fucking drama on it that it feels like oddly disturbing. Like the album is so detailed in its in its um, analysis of relationships and and you know and youth in general that it's like almost disturbing, you know, to listen to it. But it ends in similarly to Devil and God. It ends so up here and then so life affirming and so fucking like there's nothing better than you know i remember in the previous episode i was talking about moshing and uh my first like emo show going to and having that experience of the dude crying you know and and that this album exemplifies that feeling the best and it was it's so cathartic to listen to it's just like the opening song roam the room is the best thing to listen to when you're angry it's so comforting and roam the room roam the room yeah and then, um, the room that they created, Rome, the room that you fucking put yourself in, and uh, no, yeah, Youth by Citizen, they're amazing performers. They they have such a beautiful relationship with their fans too, and I think I don't think they're ever gonna make something as good as Youth. Youth is just perfect songwriting wise, production wise, performance wise, and it was so fun to see live. So that's Fuck yeah, six. that's fucking amazing. Five, dude, we're halfway done, and it's uh, we're gonna be right on time. All right. If that's the case. Uh, Led Zeppelin, number five, Led Zeppelin 2. Nice. I talked about Zeppelin a little bit. Califor- going to California is like one of the only songs that makes me want to pick Zeppelin 4. But Zeppelin 2, fuck me, dude. Just start to finish, no skips. Thank you. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, the song "Thank You" is so fucking just. Oh god, just Zeppelin too. Just if, if Zeppelin's two playing, you shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. You shut up. Well, Zeppelin two's playing. I talked about it at the beginning of this episode, so I don't really need to dive into it too much more. But the way they work as a band and their influence, I I, I have you know I know about fucking like how Jimmy Page is a piece of shit. Oh yeah, you know but they're all pieces of shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the newsflash: everyone you love are pieces of shit. And it hasn't come out yet. Most of them. Sorry. At least 70% of the people's are we enjoy are bad 80. people. 80%. 80. Damn. Oof. Yeah, maybe. And that's generous. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I'm blows. Sorry, dude. That blows. I'm sorry to break Oh, it. yeah. No, I put I put brand new on here. Yeah, Jesse Lace is a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, we don't condone them, their actions at all. Blanche. But um, talk about a masterclass in songwriting, though. Yeah, Zeppelin too, very good. Yeah, rock, just rock. A masterclass in fucking rock and roll. Ooh, a masterclass in fucking is what that shit is. All right, that's a good one. My um, number five is Four of Arrows by Great Grandpa. I fucking love Great Grandpa, oh, dude. God, yeah, you. Know I what I'm fucking about. love Great Grandpa, dude. Dude, they're one of the bands Great in Grandpa's. um in in post hardcore shoegazing whatever the fuck that type of music is, that um. <laughs> That really like digs, digs, you know, like really grinds my gears. Four of Arrows um, has this very natural aesthetic, very like pagan, earthy kind of um, haunted vibe to it, um, and it feels like it came at such a nice time in my life where I was going through a lot and I was deeply contemplative and and searching for my faith and religion and. When I, I mean, in the in the religion spirituality, see, you know, episode when I was talking about Taoism, I got into Taoism around the same time that I got into this album Four of Arrows, and um, it was just so part. It was so perfect. It was so poetic. Um, this album, you know, confronts death like so viscerally and so, um, and and also there's a song on there called English Garden. It's like three or four layers of guitar and violin. That's just this beautiful, like, I don't know how they wrote it. It's in some weird fucked tuning, and it's just this violin. It sounds like fairies. It sounds like fucking fairies dancing around your head while you're walking through a garden. And there's flowers about And just, like, every note on this record sounded like it came from the earth, you know? Oh, yeah. Even though it maintained, it, like, it had this very esoteric vibe to it, and there were production techniques, and there's keys on it. Like... It's still everything felt so real. Like Dude, the, I get that with explosions in the sky. Yes, it, along those lines, yeah, um, but just angrier and at, at points, you know, very tender, very beautiful at points, angrier, you know, at others, and um, yeah, perfect album, devastating ending, amazing opening. A highlight of the album is English Garden for me and uh, Digger. So yeah, Digger. It's number five. Number four. Number four. Jeff Beck. Nice. Jeff Beck, rest in peace. Rest in goddamn peace. I can't think of a... If Beck was one of those guitar players that even if you were a musician and watched him playing, you'd still... And, like, watched him playing and heard it, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. You'd be like, what is that dude doing? One of the most intuitive people ever. Everyone you love 
as if you're a guitar player and you're into like just guitar players, guitar players like Van Halen, David Gilmour, Jimmy Page, Ev- Eric Clapton, every single fucking guitarist, they all go to Beck. Mm-hmm. Jeff fucking back at the top of the pyramid scheme. Like, oh, I stole everything from that dude because yeah. he invented it. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite albums from Jeff Beck, uh, Blow by Blow. That's some of his most phenomenal um, just melodic work. His solos, are, well, just his choice of notes is unbelievable. It's strange. And technique, yeah. and his technique is fucking flawless but also it's busted it's so busted yeah but flawless and something that i think it's like a drunken boxer who has never ever lost a fight that's what what it's like it's like it's like mark zuckerberg making facebook for like for the purpose (laughs) of rating women No. What? It's like it's like some uh, it's like some fucking MIT technician like getting super fucked up and like making YouTube or something. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like it's technical like, fucking mastery. Yeah, but pure and so fucking blow around. by blow. That one's like fusion. More. That one's like fusion. Um, and rock. And then, uh, that one's more guitar-y and then guitar Jeff Beck's actually get Jeff Beck's guitar shop would be probably more guitar-y yeah, but that's yeah. just a fucking three-piece band or four-piece band that's a fucking guitar shop and some of the shit on there is so tough like hard that shit goes hard like Savoy these are jam jams dude jam jams these are apricot jams these are bangers they're, they're bangers, but they're technically proficient bangers. They're like, how do how do you play this? It's just attractive. Yeah, sexy. Jeff Beck is sexy, really. Jeff Beck was he has this carnality to his his yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, my number four is "Scenes from a Memory" by Dream Theater. Metropolis Part Two. Devious bastard. I know it's a bit chuggy to put this on the list in the no, uh, no, in no. the in the progressive metal scene. I was raised listening to a lot of progressive metal. It's it's just that fucking good. It's so goddamn like, good. Like if you're a metal fan, you're lying to yourself if this ain't your fucking favorite album in the scene. Like it's there's a bit aside from the absolute technical mastery of the album, the r- fucking ripping solos, the tone in songs like Home and The Overture and, you know, Spirit Carries On, like the guitar tonality, the keyboard and drum insanity on Dance of Eternity, you know, how many fucking time signatures they switch, like 14 different switches of time signatures in the song or whatever. Like 158. Like oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well there you go i have like 14 time switches in my latest song yeah no on. i guess you're right yeah it's not like for it's however many time signatures but switches it's like a hundred and something times and yeah switches. but like it's yeah but it's like every time signature yeah so anyway um yeah aside from it being like this is one of the again this paradigm with prog albums that really puts them on the map for me is the ability to maintain a level of emotion and humanity while being that technically impressive and that much of a feat you know and this album does it perfectly it tells a fucking interesting story a really interesting story that if you want to get into the lore there's a lot to chew on there you know an album about spiritualism and reincarnation and and destiny and karma you know 
fascinating. There's a lot to chew on with the lore, but if you don't want to get into the lore, you can just listen to it. And as an album, musically, the story is is so fluid and comes to a fucking perfect end. It it sounds like it's almost like a really tongue in cheek horror movie the way it sounds to me. But then songs like Through Her Eyes and The Spirit Carries On make it like a this beautiful tragedy. You know, this this um like super humanitarian like reflective tragedy story. And um Spirit Carries On, I sob to that. I fucking bang that when I'm at my lowest. I it picks me back up again it's such a fucking great song and that's dream theater at their very 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 best yeah the fucking ragtime section in, in dance return that oh. leads right into the, the the triple finger bass technique yeah it's <laughs> fucked up dude beyond this life also has one of my favorite riffs ever ever written it's like um the one that goes that's one of my favorite riffs ever is in beyond this life it's come scrummable yeah it's come scrummable all right album number three well artist number three yeah door number three bachelor number three bill withers Nice, Bill Withers, man. All right, the vibes I get from Bill Withers. I listened to today. I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Go That's listen sick. to Still Bill. What a fucking masterclass! Like, what a fucking masterclass! Like, the dude has so much riz. Oh God, yeah. Just, Bill Withers does have a lot of riz. Bill Rizzers, dude. <laughs> Jesus, skill Rizzers. Yeah, Skill Rizzers, Bill fucking Ender Dragon, dude. Bill Withers, dude. What's the album? Uh, Still Bill is so oh, good. And Just As I Am, like Grandma's Hands is on that one. But Still Bill, um, God, it's just funky. It's just it's just raw and it's funky. And it's just good. It's just... He's another like... It's just fucking good. Yeah, he's another songwriter on the level of Sting rest, rest that you were talking peace. about, I feel like. Fuck's sake. Like, yeah, no, Bill Withers, damn. Plus, uh, Lean On Me is a classic. Yeah, know? of course. I covered Lean On Me in the folk Lean band I used to be in. A folkish, a folk band. Folk band. I was, in a, I was in a folk band. I was a drummer. Wild. <sighs> well, my number three is August and Everything After by Counting Crows. It's um their debut album. Is this album. the only Counting Crows album on this? It is. It is. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is Counting Crows is my favorite band. Um, but these, yeah, but, but this is the only kind of criticism. It was tied with hard candy because of the, um, sheer re-listenability of hard candy. Cause it's so fucking catchy. Like, I feel like you can listen to hard candy from top to bottom once and like get, and know almost all the songs already. Like mm-hmm. that's how fucking infectious that album is. But, but August and everything after is just as infectious, um, while being a little bit more timbrely diverse and a little bit more um, trippy, just a little trippy, like that's a a part of an aspect of Counting Crows' music that nobody really recognizes, or I don't see people talking about often enough, is their tone. Like they get into the tone zone sometimes. The tone zone. Like there, that the guitar tone on that fucking album is 
awesome. It's so good and it's so pretty. Like songs like Time and Time Again, there's this washy, just lazy, like drug through the mud guitar tone that's just and Adam Duritz is wailing over it. You know, his 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 broken, anguished, you know. Yeah, for the, uh, the Counting Crows walk so the front bottoms could also walk just slightly slower. Mm-hmm. No, Counting oh, Crows definitely slower. laid the stage for some 90s emo shit because they, they were angsty. They were really angsty. And um, there's this comforting, homegrown feel to it in their homegrown. more country elements. But to me, it, this is going to sound crazy, but Counting Crows appeals to me for the same reasons I love emo music. You know, I don't think that's crazy. At like, all. and this album exemplifies that perfectly. Also, aside from the fact that like seven out of however many songs are on this album went, you know, Billboard, and for good fucking reason. This album is cram packed yeah. with with absolute like, you know, era '90s defining you yeah. know songs. There's Mr. Jones is on this album, Rain King's on this album, Omaha's on this album, and Round Here is on this album. Like it's like bangers per capita. People could be people could shit on that take, but I don't know. Like, what's the problem? Yeah, you get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm in love. Uh, Accidentally in love is actually unironically a really phenomenal song. It's really good. It's so good. It's just in Shrek. It's just in Shrek that makes it better. better. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Number two. Number two. This was the hardest spot to fill. This was the easiest spot for me. Really? Okay. No shit. Um, Radiohead. Nice. I just, I got into radio, Radiohead at the end of last year, and yeah, I forgot with, about Radiohead for you. Without Radiohead, I wouldn't be writing the way I'm writing right now. And the way I'm writing right now is the most fulfilled I've ever been with my art, with myself, with my person, and how I tie the two. And that would just not be if I had not heard a few albums from Radiohead that changed my perspective of melody and what songs could be. I wrote a lot of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, like Coda Birds, like Sting stuff, you know. And I heard Radiohead and I'm writing a song now that has like five different sections, eight different keys, like 12 different rhythm changes, no chorus. It's just a fluid thing that works. It's Mm. just a fluid sound. You know, it's like, it just works. And uh, the best example of that, I think, from Radiohead or my favorite is Amnesiac. Mm. That album, I love. The creativity on that album. The choice the choice they made when making Kid A and Amnesiac at the same time to just go full electronic. Yeah. And go, we're not going to do any acoustic instruments anymore. Like, pretty much for this. Like, it like that leaves the instrumentalist like, well, I'm a guitar player with no guitar on the album. I'm a drummer with like, you know, it's all fucking programmed drums and like the sounds are, are making it work. But they used to split it off into Studio A would be a room of people working on sound like in the band entirely and making sounds and finding sounds and sticking them together and crafting them. And, and Studio B would be writing the songs and well, they would be amazing. like putting them together in these pieces. And Kid Amnesiac, you can see like the first two takes of like first two versions like like final mix one and then final mix two and the final mix like final yeah final final (laughs) like that shit is on there and it's just an album that is so like creative and it's grimy and it's grungy and it's also like sexy and beautiful and then the other one um 
Uh, you know, it's actually like it was not my favorite at first, and it's just it's grown on me. Uh, would be in rainbows because of the song Faust Arp. That's my oh, favorite nice, song nice. from them. It ins- it's just it's my favorite song from them. I think one of them. I have easily. not listened to nearly enough Radiohead as I but should. Yeah, have, but... Amnesiac. That era is really fucking great. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite album, but I really am am into Amnesiac and a Moon Shaped Pool. I think you would be super into the sound. Yeah, you've of told that me one. this. Yeah, because everything they've ever, every album they do is like a different. They reinvent themselves. Thing. They reinvent themselves yeah. every time. And that's why, like, I've listened albums by Radiohead. I've listened to in full are um, OK Computer, The Bends, and King of Limbs. King, are... The King of Limbs has some cool stuff, but like The Bends and King of Limbs are like definitely lower mid or mid to low. But like yeah. Daydreaming on Moonshape Pool just. It feels like I'm a kid. That's it's, awesome. it's just there's this moment where it just cracks open. It's just fucking it it's like fuck, I wanted my songs to crack open for so long and they showed me how to do it. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I'm excited to listen to more Radiohead because yeah, as soon as you said Radiohead number two, I'm like, Oh yeah, Liam, no, I hit forgot me about up. Radiohead. Liam, hit me up. Yeah, and we let's have go a friend. fucking nerd out, dude. We have a friend Liam who's that's his favorite band's Radiohead for good fucking reason. Um, my number two is Dark Side of the Moon. You know what? I'm glad it, it's on there instead of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got to, someone's going to talk about Dark Side of the yeah, Moon. Yeah, because I almost fucking put it on mine. Yeah. No, Dark Side of the Moon is my number two because Dark Side of the Moon is one of those albums that suffers from a phenomenon I like to call um, the Bohemian Rhapsody Paradox, where a song or a piece of media or an art form is so deeply entrenched in culture and you see it everywhere and it's so iconic that you forget how good it actually is. Because you see it everywhere, like Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, Bohemian Rhapsody, oh yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. But then every once in a blue moon where you actually do sit down and listen to Bohemian Rhapsody, you go, oh yeah, this song fucking rips, you know? Like, what the hell? Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon is one of those records. Dark Side of the Moon is accurately rated. There's a reason you've seen this light prism in every fucking mall you've ever been in and kids who haven't even heard of Pink Floyd are wearing it. And it's just like, there's a reason that it's that level. And it is truly that good. I agree in, actually wholeheartedly. Here. Yeah. Sonically it's, it's fucking perfect, especially for the time, like imaginative production techniques for the oh, fucking the 70s. fucking synthesizers on that album. Oh God damn Off it. Charts. So good. And then songs like time and money are just so fucking good to listen to. Well, like I learned driving almost music just, I've learned a lot. Like when I talked about Zeppelin and Floyd earlier, I've learned almost both of their entire discographies on mm-hmm. guitar. Like and played them. Like one year in band, we learned Dark Side of the Moon. That's awesome. And to start to finish, like learned mo- like as much as we could do with what we had as like a four piece. That's and, so and cool. I, I have a Keeley Dark Side pedal for it, and like I know that music inside and out. Like it's yeah, and it's fucking it's amazing. Great. It's it's so good. Like yeah, it's I don't fun. Know. Yeah, it's it's. I just love how Dark Side of the Moon can get me so hype. Like, just so, like, on on money. It could get me so fucking hype and then also take me to a really depressive, contemplative, like, fucking slip my wrists place with Great Gig in the Sky. Us and, and them then is also my get me into, yeah, right? Us and Them. Brain damage Brain is damage. so the fucking trippy. It, it's goddamn. And then you can beautiful. play it to Paul Blart's Mall Cop 2 and it exactly. syncs up perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. And Wizard of Oz, of course, too. But, you know, 
Paul Blart Mall Cop too, really. Yeah, that's what they were trying to get at yeah. when they did all that acid. They were like, I got it, guys. I got an idea. For One this day, movie. there One will day. be a movie called Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Because this guy, Paul he was Blart's. in a show called King of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> he will be in a show called King of Queens. All right, number fucking one. Burger King foot lettuce. We had to make the joke. I, I've been thinking about the joke the whole time, but I'm waiting for an opportunity to say number 15, and then I realized that we started at 10. <laughs> Just now. I've been down. waiting to say that joke, and then you said it, and I was like, wait, I was going to say that when we got to 15. And then I was like, oh, we fuck. We started at 10 <laughs> <and> going down, <laughs> waiting to get to 15. <laughs> That's so funny. Fuck me and my fat fucking ass. Well, why don't you go fuck yourself in your fat, fat fucking, fucking ass? ass. Alright, um... Number one... The Beatles. Nice, cool. The, the, the BBs. The oh, that's another one I'm glad you put on, because it would be disrespectful for... And you know what? No band is influenced everyone more whether you like it or not which sucks for a lot of people they're like yeah, 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 no, no. but it's like yeah but the band you like did it's yeah. like the same thing it's the thing with back and guitar players it's like with songs in the beatles exactly and it's it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes but really not the first song i ever learned was singing help in the bathtub with my, yeah. my dad you know fuck me jesus christ and there's something for everyone everywhere like the concept of reinventing yourself with albums like right there yeah yeah like definitely like if you're into the whole like like the fucking emo folky scene some of that like go listen to rocky raccoon and mother nature's son off the white album damn if you're into like dark side of the moon shit go listen to sergeant peppers if you're into just fucking beautiful songwriting go listen to let it be like there's a lot of shit on every single same with revolver if you're in the same mm. beautiful songwriting but more like traditional go to revolver if you're into 50s music go to the 50s music it's like i i came up with this thing today because i was like debating i was like do we really like the beatles that much it's the same thing with what you were just talking about with pink floyd like everybody fucking knows and everybody and yeah, it's like yeah. such a goddamn cliche but take the top three like beatles songs like and put it up against every other artist on my list top three songs yeah that's a good point done like i don't point. care like i'm sorry radiohead but like your best song and your other top two best songs are not better than the long and winding road and the Beatles like next two best songs wherever you want to go. I'm just saying if the long and winding road's not in your top three Beatles songs, like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Or maybe Dude, maybe I, I'm so me glad on you that. said Rocky Raccoon. Nobody fucking talks about Rocky Raccoon. That song's so good. Yeah, no Beatles. God damn it! Thank you for fucking bringing the Beatles up because yeah, of course, of just course, the Beatles, the Beatles top three songs like just like. Put them up against anyone and just like really sit there and think. Sergeant Pepper's too, like, um, Prague snobs owe everything to that album. You know, yeah. Sergeant Pepper practically invented Prague, like, or at least, you know, made it more possible to, you know, made it look, made it seem more feasible. You know, to like, create fuck's a... sake, they're the masters of this shit. Like, being like the simple and complex, like, like getting so much in like two minutes sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, Listening to like I think my favorite records are Revolver, and uh, the White Album, and Revolver is like. It, it's the same sort of thing. Like all these songs are just masterclasses. Every fucking one. It's like there's so many masterclasses on every album. Oh yeah. And then on each artist's solo career, therefore after. My partner's favorite film of all time is Across the Universe. Universe. Yeah, and I just watched that recently. 
Um, oh. That's what I'm saying. Like, take Across the Universe, Let It Be, and like, fuck Blackbird, and put it in like your band's top three yeah. songs. It's going to be close, and it's going to be close because you're biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're biased, because you were raised with ears, you know, and a heart. Like, it's, yeah, dude, fuck. Beatles, thank God. Someone said it. Well, I'm also saying that it could, like, if it's, if, like, the Beatles are just so good, like, uh, uh, actually, no, there are a lot of bands that their top three songs are, like, debatable, like, with other artist songs, but just, yeah, just the pure songwriting content and creativity and the birth of it all, including George Martin, like, talk about serving the song and production and arrangement like only ever uplifting the melody and the, the mm-hmm. idea of the song. The yeah, fucking horn section, Pepper. the horns, the strings, it all services e- each other. No, on, on Sergeant Pooper's Baloney Farts Come Band, that album especially, the production is so, you know, inexorably tied up in what the music is doing that it's like, it's inseparable and it's fucking brilliant and genius. Like, that's my favorite Beatles album is, is Sergeant Pooper. That Pooper's. was my favorite for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's you know. And in college, I got into the White Album. White Album was my second favorite, and third favorite is Let It Be. Let It Be, yeah. Okay, my number one is Dead Wing by Porcupine Tree. Okay. My number one favorite album of all time. This is an album that I can't really defend up against Dark Side of the Moon or Scenes from a Memory or even Watershed. When, the one I honorably mentioned in in at the beginning, as far as um I can't argue this album against those albums in as, in terms of masterful craftsmanship as a record, but this album holds such a personal spot in my heart because it fulfills probably the nichest form of music I've ever heard. It develops a sound that I cannot get from any other record I've ever listened to, and that's why it's my favorite record of all time. It is a prog rock concept album that is about something that no one ever has figured out really the the head songwriter Stephen Wilson never said what the album is about but you can tell it's about something and he did say it is a story very 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 ambiguously it's about ghosts I think after listening to this thing a hundred fucking times over the years still can't decipher what it's about but there are a lot of it's a um, ghost story it's it's a ghost story it's some sort of ghost story but it's such a dramatically it's such a beautifully human album. It's so tragically human. The and and that niche um timbre and that niche uh aesthetic that it fulfills that I said no other record does is like shoegazy, super tonal um prog rock with electronics. And a very much emphasis on like dreamscapes and like and and soundscapes. That's what it is. It's got riffs. It's got fucking riffs that are so goddamn infectious and so catchy and so slamming. You know, like a frog album. It's literally. I'm not gonna peek the mic, but um, <laughs> like it, it it has those moments like scenes from a memory does where you're just fucking yes yes that's it. But. Those albums, those moments on the album come so few and far between in, in such good p- parts, and it's used so well. And even when it is at that high, you know, brutal, like, you know, catchy riffage, it still seems like there's this cap on it where the album still seems contained and seems nuanced. And um, definitely listen to it. I feel like if you're in the dream pop sphere, 
you would appreciate aspects of this album, Tamberly. If you're into prog metal, you would obviously you would enjoy it a ton, but it might get you more into bands like Deftones or bands like Explosions in the Sky. You know, it might get you more into that if you're into prog and that's why you're listening to it. But I if you're it, it's a phenomenal fucking record. And standout songs on it are the title track Deadwing for me, Lazarus. Lazarus <laughs> No. And then Glass Arm Shattering are my favorite songs off that record. But yeah, Porcupine Tree. And and everything I just said about Deadwing, a lot of that can be applied to Porcupine Tree in general. I think they're really imaginative. I love them. But yeah. Wow. We fucking did it. Well, there you have it. We tried. I think the Beatles made good music. Yeah, you know, when it, when it comes to talking about... <laughs> Um, music in general, I kind of just, I'm kind of just, you know, I'm like I let it be. You know who didn't make good music, and and I'll be shot for saying this. The Rolling Stones. What makes you say that? I don't like it. We will see you next. No, week no, you gotta <laughs> give your, you gotta give your your one horrible take. My one horrible take. Yeah. Well, what do you? Okay. Well, you talk. I don't while know I what look, it is. Will you talk while I look real quick to try to find a yes, take? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because that—that's my take that I can probably recognize as bad. I hate the Rolling Stones. Like I've not heard a Ro- "Gimme Shelter" is the one Rolling Stones song I've heard that I enjoyed listening to, and I have heard plenty of Rolling Stones. I have not just not gotten into them, you know. Um. So I, I've I've come out of the closet with that. You got to find something now. Some 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 I'm hot trying. take. I'm trying. Because as far as, you know, if we're in the sphere of talking about the Beatles and Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and shit like that, that's us. I don't know if this take. is a hot take. Actually, it's not that hot of a take. It's not that. I was going to say I really love Coldplay. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're fun. Their yeah, early stuff is genius. Their new stuff's mid. Yeah, I don't but... think anyone would crucify you for that. Not like the Rolling Stones. Fucking Christ, would. Dude. Fucking Christ Jesus. Hello, uh, it's just me, Zach. Uh, talking directly from the uh, editing side of things. I spent 20 minutes trying to find a bad take uh, that I could think of. I just... I just blanked. But you know what? Here's my bad take. I don't think Alex Lifeson is a great guitar player. The guitar player from Rush. I don't think his no choice are that, are that good. He's not my favorite. I find it annoying to listen to sometimes. I, I think he's a good rhythm player. I think his soloing is widely overrated. There you go. There's my hot take. Um, and I've spared you a good 20 minutes. So uh, with love, thank you for watching and for listening from the room that we created. Uh, we will see you next week. Mwah.